Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Critical Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Good, and welcome. I have a super fun show planned for you today. I'm going to try my best not to steal the tagline from my friends over at Unlocking the Magic, uh, which their tagline now is, we hope you like it. I'm just going to say, I hope you like it. So I don't know if that kind of skirts around it. I'm not too worried about it, but go check them out. They're fantastic. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Disney stuff today, even though I would like to. And uh, on top of that, I was also a guest host on the most recent episode of the Provost Park Pass podcast. So if you want to go check that out, you can hear me talking with Chris Provost. That was super fun. But today, you know, we love talking about games and movies and TV shows, uh, all this stuff. But I had this great write-in from my buddy Wes, a.k.a. Mecca Recca, and he said, it'd be kind of funny if you talked about your top 10, you know, video game weapons of all time. Now, we have done this in the past where we've talked about our top three, but I'm going to sit here and talk about a bunch of them because I started writing this list out and I was like, I don't know if I can do 10 and I don't know if I really want to rank them, but I want to tell you guys kind of what I look for in video game weapons, both melee and ranged. Now, for me personally, I love a weapon that feels good feels strong not necessarily ones that are going to uh you know be baked into a mythos or like the game tells you they're important because if they don't feel good you know what guess what you're not making it on my list i'm so sorry so that means there's going to be a few things on here uh that you wouldn't expect and there might be a few weapons on here you might be like i can't believe he left those out but that's okay because i want you to leave them down in the comments or if you're listening to this tweet them at me because i want to you know talk about this because it's so much fun because nobody's ever right or wrong when it comes to this stuff it's just fun to talk about so let's dive right in so when i started thinking about my favorite uh weapons of all time I started first thinking melee weapons, and uh, one that popped out to me uh, was one that was more recent in how it feels, and maybe just the game itself feels super good, but that would be Jin Sakai's Katana. I know, kind of a weird choice because it's not necessarily like a super weapon or anything like that. It's not necessarily magical. Maybe you could kind of, uh, some of the stuff he does with it, you're like, maybe could be considered kind of magical, but it feels so dang good, and I loved using it so much, and that game, uh, Ghost of Tsushima, is all about kind of choosing between being a samurai or being kind of a ninja, and more often than not, I was just the samurai. Like, there's stuff where they're forcing you to kind of stealth around, but for the most part, I I wanted to get in fights with it because the katana was so good at parrying and countering and just being able to switch up my stances with it. It felt like such a unique weapon, and to me, Ghost of Tsushima is just my favorite uh, combat system of all time at the time of this recording there's something about it that i love so much it just feels so gratifying rewarding and uh man i love it and just the way you can feel the katana cut deep oh baby like uh most games don't let you do that and it's just like you can feel the hits uh you feel the dismemberments and the decapitations oh my gosh oh it's so good uh so everybody over at sucker punch man i just uh I keep thinking about that game. Uh, so really good job with that katana. Uh, but we might talk about another one later on down the line here too. But kind of on the other end of the uh, spectrum as far as melee weapons go, I have to do a shout out to my my love of Darksiders. Now a lot of people here know that I love Death from Darksiders. He's so good. The problem is when it comes to 
his weapon, the Harvester, you don't really use it specifically so much uh, because there's a bunch of different other sites in those games or in that game where you can play because it's like more RPG focused. So I can't really talk about that. I wish that they would have done that system instead of the RPG system. Like they could have done that with like the armor and stuff where you have different equipment, but I just wish it would have kept the same weapon like we did in Darksiders 1, which is what I'll be talking about today. And that is none other than War, his weapon, Chaos Eater. Oh my goodness. This thing is, a, it's a claymore, basically. It's this gigantic claymore that's got like these faces on it. These like just faces of souls that have been collected. It's so cool, and it feels great. When you're swinging this thing around, and War does a pretty good job of moving it pretty quickly, you still feel the weight on it, which sometimes in games like this, like that weight can be lost. And also, War does get to wield Harvester. Uh, it's kind of big, and it's more for AoE stuff, and it's all right, but Chaos Eater, man, it feels so good. And even playing Darksiders Genesis a little while ago, uh, which was so much fun to do and review and talk about that, uh, it still felt just as good there. And it kind of feels a little bit like Rebellion from Devil May Cry, but it's got so much more weight to it. And uh, yeah, when it comes down on your foes, uh, both demon and angel alike, oh boy. You wouldn't want to be standing there. I love Chaos Eater. And uh, yeah, I don't know if technically the Blade Geyser comes with that. I don't know, but still, I really, Chaos Eater, check it out, really cool. Uh, and continuing with big weapons, uh, I was asking people about this, and this one has popped up a lot, and it's something that didn't really hit me, as it were, uh, until, like, in earnest when I played one of the offshots of the series that it's in, but this is in Halo, and it's in Halo ODST, and it's in other games too, but this is the one, for some odd reason, I remember it so vividly, playing ODST Firefight with my friend, but getting the Gravity Hammer. Because Firefight was like horde mode for Halo, and if you had the Gravity Hammer and your buddy got too close to you and you tried to, like, destroy a grunt or something next to him, just go go flying. Uh, and the noise it makes and the crunch, uh, and then playing that and using it in Griff Ball in Halo 5 Guardians... It was it's such a great weapon. There's something about it that like the the plasma sword, you know, is such a is like the one kind of melee weapon that people think about when it comes to Halo. But the gravity hammer, what it lacks in that lunge that the blade or the, the plasma sword has, it makes up for in just raw power and damage. And when you swing that thing, man, you feel it. And I really appreciate that, especially with my hammers. Hammers are like the shotguns of the melee world. You know, like you, when you have one of those, you know, it's going to pack a pretty big punch. Or at least it should. Uh, and I, I just love the gravity hammer for that. And there's something so fun to me about like a crazy shooter game that like also has these big just like boom weapons. Like, you know, because you close the distance and just crush somebody with it. I adore it. I did want to throw out a little bit of love, though, too, to Titanfall, because there was a weapon that came up, a little bit of a controversial pick. They nerfed it in two, I believe, but that is my sweet, sweet smart pistol. Now, for people who don't know what the smart pistol is, it is a pistol that if I were to, say, if I was following you and we were in a multiplayer match and you were on the enemy team, if I sighted up on you long enough, I didn't need to necessarily point the the barrel right at you to get the hits i could kind of point wherever and i needed to land three shots i believe it was now the the caveat was that it would take a while to lock on in the first game 
not super long. In the second game, I think they cranked that up a bit, so it did take a little bit longer to lock on. Now, because of this ability, it was not a super strong gun in just a straight-up firefight with people. Like, if someone had an assault rifle or something, or carbine, they're probably going to win if you're both looking at each other. But in a game that was so mobility-driven, like Titanfall and Titanfall 2, if you could kind of jump around and lock onto somebody and then get your... and just, like, hold the lock on and then get those three shots off, uh, you... <laughs> <laughs> you felt so good. You're like, oh my gosh, like I got him, um, uh, which was really sweet. I think it was three or kind of lock on one at a time. Either way, it was so much fun to have a, a gun in a game like that that wasn't just, uh, you know, a straight firing bullet. It was just like this kind of interesting, like these little micro missiles that you could kind of aim off to the side, but and like they, you know, hit them. I just thought it was so futuristic and so cool. You're not necessarily going to go maybe on the best, like, killing sprees with that but it always made me feel like this kind of futuristic assassin i appreciated that a lot now i said we we're going to talk about some more swords kind of katana-esque and this one popped up and it's from a game i completed recently it is my favorite metal gear game and that's metal gear solid revengeance or metal gear revengeance the high frequency blade that raiden uses this thing is just I would call it your bread and butter, but basically you are slicing the bread and putting the butter on there and slicing everybody and everything into tiny little pieces. I love the physics of this weapon, and this game is not simple. This is not a straight-up hack-and-slash game. It's probably my favorite platinum game, but it is very difficult to learn how to do all this stuff and to do it uh, without dying. But this sword, and unlike... I think any other game I've ever played is your ability to go into the sword stance and to basically, as long as you have the energy, and it kind of depletes pretty quickly, but you can just slice, 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 slice. And if you do it at the right time, um, you know, on these other enemies, you can kind of slice out their spine and take that, and then that you crush it and it gives you health back and energy. And if you start to really get the cadence with this thing, you really feel the power. And uh, you can misuse it. Uh, you can use it at the wrong time. It doesn't really do anything, but use it at the right time, especially on certain bosses, like you have to do. You get to like, you have to, it's like all time freezes and you have to kind of angle up the slices in certain ways. So you can kind of do a bunch of, you know, vertical slices, horizontal slices, diagonal, whatever. And uh, it really shows when you can like actually cut into these, not your only your, the smaller enemies, but like the big ones too for the bosses that kind of demand that you do it. But also a ton of the things in the world like fall into this category too like you can go up to like inanimate objects and just like turn them into mincemeat you know <laughs> you can just like sh 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 just like these tiny little particles almost and that's such a cool thing to me also Raiden kind of like he'll put it on his foot sometimes too like the guy's kind of crazy but I really love the high frequency blade and then the uh the strongest one you get at the end like the red one oh it's so cool it's just I just really appreciate that weapon and it is like the heart of that game like, a lot of these weapons we're talking about here, they're kind of like the ones that are given to the the main protagonist of the game, or it's kind of like their thing. But this is like, you have to use this. Like, there's no, <laughs> there's no real way around it completely. You can use other things, and they have different weapons in that game, but, man, this is like the weapon, you know, you're supposed to use. And, gosh, I just really... I really like it. I really do like it a lot. Anyway, uh, let's move on to some more melee weapons. And I kind of wanted to lump these two in together. Uh, but that is from God of War and Marvel's Avengers. But we're talking about the Leviathan Axe and Mjolnir. Now, I know, I know those are two very different games. But lead combat designer went from one to the other. So, you know what? I'm just gonna still going to call it, you know, same. And the Leviathan Axe, a lot of comparisons were drawn to it. 
uh, with Mjolnir when we saw it. Uh, and for people who were unaware with the most recent outing of God of War, Kratos wields the Leviathan Axe as his main weapon, believe it or not. Uh, and actually, I prefer it over the Blades of Chaos, honestly, truly. Uh, it has so much versatility, the ability to throw it out, call it back, hit somebody in the back of the head, throw it out, stick it to somebody, and they freeze, and then you can fight somebody else. You can kind of juggle with combos with it. It does a lot. It helps with puzzles. It can kind of do everything for you. Um, I think if you throw it out in the proper way, it'll go home and make your bed for you. It's, it's just so nice. You know, the Leviathan Axe is wonderful. And Mjolnir from Marvel's Avengers feels the same way. Like, I enjoy playing as Iron Man in that game. He's great. He's got so many things working for him. But Thor's got Mjolnir. And, you know, he's got some other things too. But, man, there's something so gratifying about that hammer. About throwing it out, pinning an enemy to a wall, and just punching them. And they can't, they can't really stop you. I like these weapons that you can throw and return to you because there's so many options and versatility built into them. And with Mjolnir, it's more of like the lightning. And, you know, that's kind of more of the crowd control with the Leviathan Axe, more of the ice, which I'm a big crowd control guy. So uh, I dig the ice stuff. That's really cool to me. So I, I love them both. I think they're fantastic. I wish there were a way and hopefully maybe uh, in the, the next God of War game, maybe Kratos will wield both. Who knows? I'm not sure. But either way, uh, I'm curious to see if we'll get a Leviathan axe versus Mjolnir fight where you have to throw the axe and, you know, hit Mjolnir out of the air and stuff. That'd be pretty cool. I'm calling it now. But yeah, I love those weapons. Some of my probably favorite melee weapons of the past generation. They're super good. Now I want to jump into a group of... Uh, games here because I feel like the next uh, couple I'm going to talk about here are games that are a lot about the weapons. And this first one may be more than any other video game series ever. That is Ratchet and Clank. Now I grew up with Ratchet and Clank. Uh, I think I started with Ratchet and Clank going Commando, which was two, and then Up Your Arsenal, which was three. Then went on to the uh, future Tools of Destruction and stuff like that, Kraken Time. I think I've played one. I can't really recall because I know there's that flamethrower in there, and I'm like, oh yeah, the flamethrower. But I want to start with uh, future Tools of Destruction with the Alpha Disruptor, which becomes the Alpha Cannon. Now, this is not the most interesting weapon from Ratchet and Clank by far, but it is a Lombax created weapon, which right there, so much cooler to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, a Lombax? Like these really intelligent, you know, uh, rare creatures made this thing. So I'm like, all right, sweet. And if I'm not mistaken, and somebody might correct me for the Ratchet and Clank gearheads out there, I think it does the most single target damage of any weapon ever in Ratchet and Clank. And as you uh, upgrade it, you can get a few more shots, or at least one more shot with it, because it has a very, very low ammo capacity of four that jumps up to five, but you can get it to pass through multiple targets later on, and it's primarily used for bosses. I remember fighting the main boss in the first game with it, and uh, that's kind of what I would start with, and you could just chunk the health down. You're just like, doom, doom, doom. Uh, but basically, you hold this thing. It looks kind of like a bazooka. Maybe you saw it in the thumbnail of the video. Uh, but you charge it up and then fire it, and it's just this kind of like it's a plasma beam, so it's like boom, but it, it kind of it goes and it's gone. It's not like a continuous laser or something like that. Some odd reason that weapon is stuck with me. I think it's just so cool, and it's kind of just like the goodbye problems gun. It's really good if you have to grind out bolts, if I remember correctly. On there's like certain planets in the games where like you can go and you can fight these little mini bosses, and I, I think I remember using that one quite a bit. But I really liked it. I thought it was super cool. I really I really enjoyed it. 
I also would be remiss not to talk about the Bouncer, one of the coolest weapons uh, Ratchet & Clank has ever come up with, uh, and it's just a really basic concept, but there's something about the noise and the physics of it that make it so much fun, but for people who don't know the uninitiated, the Bouncer is a, <laughs> it's a large barrel weapon that you shoot off this kind of a grenade-like sphere that lands and then explodes into a bunch of other little tinier grenade-like spheres and they bounce and then they explode. So if you go into a room, there's a bunch of bad guys in there, you fire off a couple of these babies and your problems are gone. Uh, <laughs> and it's really good. It can actually be good against bosses too if like if you hit it just right because then all the little ones, like if you hit the actual boss with it, sometimes like the little ones will kind of fall down or rain down and actually hit them too. So it can be used for uh, lots of different things, but there's something just fun, and it's one of, like, to me, like, the staple Ratchet and Clank guns. It's just like, oh, the bouncer? Oh, you got the mega bouncer? Like, all that stuff. Oh, man, it just, it does work, and I respect it for that because it's just kind of good for a lot of occasions. Not at super long range, mind you, because you kind of have to lob these things, but still fantastic. I, I really enjoy it. Uh, but one gun that was, like, good in Going Commando and then when you leveled it up was bad, but then it was good in Up Your Arsenal, and then it was really great, uh, is the Lava Gun. Now, for people who don't know about the Lava Gun, basically it is a, it's a gun that just shoots a stream of lava, and in Going Commando, it turns into the Meteor Gun. I put the quotes around it because it's not like it's summoning meteors. Um, unlike the, I think the Supernova and Ratchet and Clank Deadlock does. That one's dope. They didn't have a Rhino in that one. For people who don't know the Rhinos, those are rip you a new one. It's like usually like they're the best or strongest or hardest to get weapons in the games, but uh, but Deadlocked was Supernova, and that's kind of what it was. It was like lasers from the sky, actually. Anyway, sorry, neither here nor there. But the Meteor Gun, uh, instead of firing a constant stream of lava, shot out like these little kind of fiery rocks, and they weren't as consistent uh, and weren't as good. And I was like, oh, so horrible. Oh, my gosh. But they realized this. And then for the sequel, they made it better. They said the lava gun is going to get stronger. And instead of becoming the meteor gun, it will become now the liquid nitrogen gun. Oh, my gosh. This gun is so wonderful. And the reason it's wonderful is because it maintains the same kind of steady stream that the lava gun does. So it allows you to strafe. And if you jump and stuff, keep holding it down, you can kind of somersault lava and kind of around. And when you jump side to side, it'll kind of go with you. It's so great. I love that. But the liquid nitrogen gun, as you'd imagine, freezes enemies too. That is so great. It is so cool. Forgive the pun. But I really loved it. I remember getting that upgrade, and I was like, how could this get better? Okay, yeah, because uh, there's the crowd control, like I was talking about before. I love this gun because it you know, slows the enemy down, you know, frees them, you know, smack them with your wrench. You know, It's just a wonderful weapon, and it does pretty good damage, too. And I was like, there we go. I love the liquid nitrogen gun. Ooh, baby. It's like it's like a like a flamethrower, but ice? I don't know. You know. It's no Scorcher from Gears of War, but still. But still. Um but the last one I do want to talk about here from Ratchet and Clank, because we could make this whole show about Ratchet and Clank weapons. We really could. Uh, by the way, the remote-controlled missiles or spider bots in those games, not the greatest, but sometimes you just had to use them because you run out of ammo, right? But uh, is my personal favorite of all Ratchet and Clank uh, weaponry of all time, and that is an Up Your Arsenal, and that is the Rift Inducer that eventually becomes the Rift Ripper. Now... I've talked about this on the show before. I think it was one of my top three weapons of all time uh, back when I did this a while ago. It's still up there. Basically, you shoot out a black hole. Is that, you know, is that good enough for you? You know, like, it's, it's amazing. It's so cool because it really does, like, what you, like, 
exactly that. So what it'll do is it will do damage to enemies nearby, and it, if they, you know, when they get to zero, it just sucks them in. Now, the issues with this weapon are sometimes you don't know the range of it, uh, but when it does level up to the Rift Ripper from the Rift Inducer, you can start bringing the, the the black holes together to make even bigger black holes, and then you can have, like, lightning come out of it, too, so it can shock bigger enemies that it won't just suck in immediately. But there's something so gratifying about walking into, you know, a situation with a bunch of enemies, and they're all attacking you, and you just shoot, boom. One black hole goes behind them, and they all just start getting sucked into it, and you're like, oh, bye-bye. <laughs> have fun getting crushed by all those gravitational forces, you fools. Like, I don't understand why it doesn't work on me, but that's just how it works, all right? That's just science. I don't make up the rules. I just love the Rift Ripper, and I have not played uh, Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart yet. I just, like, that It has to be in there. And in the future Tools of Destruction game, they had a Rift Inducer 5000, but the difference was you would shoot out a black hole, and then um, this guy named, was like, Fred or something, he was like a Cthulhu type or like a squid monster that would kind of just grab enemies and just pull them in. Not as fun because, like, I don't know, it's funny, it's quirky. I just worry about the consistency of it. What if he wants to attack me sometime? You know, um, but again, I just, I like the black hole. Just like there's just that... You know, there's something about it, non-discriminatory uh, weapon like that. Oof, so good. Except for some odd reason, it don't. It doesn't come for me, <laughs> which is great. But I love that weapon. I think it's so cool. Just like a black hole gun. Like, wow, that's just so. That's so cool to me. That's the ratchet stuff. I was like, I don't want to stay on ratchet too long because I could, I could talk about ratchet all day. Uh, but I want to talk about uh, a franchise that's very near and dear to my heart, and I wanted to limit it to just a couple weapons here. But that is Gears of War. Now, I kind of mentioned the Scorcher earlier. I love the Scorcher. comes at a really cool time in Gears of War 2 against the Sires. Kind of an alien, or an aliens-esque moment for you. But I want to start with uh, one of, maybe, I think, one of, kind of an underrated weapon. You could, it is a weapon, but the way you use it is uh, you have a beacon to call it down, and you can't use it all the time. You can only use it outside, and uh, when it's above you, and that's a satellite, that is the Hammer of Dawn. The Hammer of Dawn is a giant red space laser so kind of like the rift ripper i don't know what else i have to tell you uh it could basically take out anything it's so good and it is one of the strongest and best ways to drop a berserker which is one of the strongest and scariest um kind of single enemies in gears of war that you have to face on the ground and man i just it's so good you can use it against uh the berserkers you grunts uh you can use it against <laughs> brumach you can use it against corpser uh you can use it against drones you can use it against wretches you can use it against everybody uh and it's also part of the lore of gears of war in a big way about the hammer strikes and just so cool when you get the hammer of dawn when you when you pick that up in the games in the campaign you're like oh I'm going to do some work now. And it takes a few seconds to sight up, but once it does, and you hear the little blump, 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 and then it's like, boom, like, oh my gosh. And there's just no way for the locust to respond. So it's kind of an answer to the locust's emergence holes that they can pop up anywhere and kind of start, you know, running out. The hammer can strike, you know, from anywhere outside and just, and there's no response to it. That's just one of the things I love about it because you're just like, oh, you have to deal with the person who's, you know, who has the beacon. So cool. I love it so much. Uh, you know, you drop a reaver and you just poof, hammer Dawn. Takes care of it, man. It's, just, it's beautiful. But the the most, you know, iconic weapon from the franchise, I think it's it's kind of hard to disagree. A weapon that's uh, 
is just something that has stuck with me, and I'm sure many others, is that of the Lancer. The Lancer, an assault rifle that has a chainsaw attached to it that never runs out of gasoline, or emulsion? No, I don't know if it's emulsion, because they don't have emulsion later on. But anyway, uh, it's just so cool, because it's great for pretty much every circumstance. It's usually like a medium to close range weapon, but it can shoot. If you do it in burst, you can kind of do like a little damage at range. But that chainsaw, especially when things like wretches get close or a drone gets close, or you know, you get in a fight with somebody else who's got a lancer and he, it's so cool. Now, I don't know the logistics of using a chainsaw on a locust, but for some reason, you can just kind of cut right through them. But it feels so dang gratifying. Oh my gosh. You can't really top it. Uh, where the Hammer of Dawn, like, you get to see the, the impact it has. And uh, you can appreciate that. The Lancer is just so intimate. Like, you are, you know, you're doing work right there. And I've had a lot of people who have seen from off-screen Gears of War, and they're like, oh my gosh, that's disgusting. How could you do that? But once they try it, like I did when I was, like, 16, you never want to stop. You're like, oh. I could do that again. Like, I've got a shirt that says Born to Saw. Like, it's, it's so good. And it's great because in the campaign and stuff, you kind of, like, will have to get through certain areas. And if you don't have your knife in the older games, like, you have to saw through things. Uh, yeah, it's just such a cool weapon. And uh, it just makes me smile that it's still so cool to this day. I even like the Retro Lancer, which just has a bayonet and you have a little charge with it. They now have the, uh, what's it, the Lancer Mark three or something with the lancer gl with like a grenade launcher on there too so they've tried different variations and they're all great uh, or good to a certain extent but there's something about that classic the regular lancer you know you're you're ready to go and a lot of times too in the campaign you, if you're playing at higher difficulties sometimes these uh, drones will have lancers and they'll just come rush up and if you don't have a lancer you can't do the the lancer uh, bayonet fight uh, and that is not a situation you want to be in because you cannot be revived once you are chainsawed in half Again, them's the rules. I don't, I don't make them up. But yeah, I love the Lancer, and uh, it'll always hold a very special place in my heart. But another game that came out of nowhere a few years ago and holds a very, very special place in my heart. I think it might be my favorite video game of all time. If not, definitely top three. That is Monster Hunter World. Now, we were talking about swords earlier. The long sword. It's the most popular weapon for a reason. It's kind of good, you know, for everything. It's also really great for counters, which I, I think... In the entire career that I've played with the longsword, uh, for me, which has been a lot, like for just one game, like hundreds of hours, uh, still always learning new stuff about it. I don't know how many times I've actually successfully countered things. A couple. <laughs> but I love it. It's got uh, great utility, and it's so great for slicing off those uh, pesky monster tails. But as much as I want to sit here and talk about the longsword all day, which is great, and I love it. It's so good. It's probably the weapon I solo with the most. I gotta give the most love to the hammer. And oh my goodness, the devs know about this because when they made Iceborne, they gave the, the hammer even more utility with the clutch claw, which we're not talking about the clutch claw, we're not talking about tools today, but the hammer even before this. So much fun. Sliding down a hill, charging up an attack, and then spinning forward like a pinwheel of death. Oh, it's just... It's, mm. Chef's kiss. It's beautiful. Uh, it's just so great. I, I love the hammer, the feel of it. And the ability to not only kind of um, <laughs> to, to knock a monster over, but to stun them outright. Or like when they're already knocked over and you can hit them again in the face and they get thrown again. You feel so powerful with the hammer at certain moments against these uh, larger than life creatures. And you really start to feel like, oh my gosh, I belong in this fight. That's what the hammer does. The hammer says like, you are one of uh, 
the big folks now. Like you're you're ready to go and crushing and you know destroying the horns on these guys or, or knocking them out uh it just it feels so gratifying and once in a while if you do the kind of the charge and then you let it go a little bit early and you kind of do the uppercut once in a while you can kind of knock a monster off balance that and you're just like oh my gosh like i love to see in games like this a reaction i like to know that i am actually uh participating and it's not just numbers here as we're just wailing on this poor creature but yeah monster hunter world there's so many uh there's like 14 different weapon types right now and i made a wish list video about what i'd love to see coming uh down the line from a sequel but pretty much all the weapons in that game are great i'm just not great with all of them and it's so cool to have such a variety like whatever you want to play in monster hunter if you want to play like a melee class of course that's usually the more preferred one but the professionals use a lot of the bow guns and there's like a third person shooter baked into this game if you really want to so that's an option too but the long sword and the hammer uh i love them i man that hammer though like i need a good team usually with the hammer like i could play alone to the hammer but i prefer to i prefer to work with other people besides just my lonely little palico named nightshade <laughs> but i love it i really do I did want to do, like, I call them honorable mentions, but, like, this whole list is just kind of, like, an amalgamation, so it doesn't really matter, but I do have to give a little bit of love to the Assassin's Creed Hidden Blade, an iconic weapon, uh, so iconic and fun that I've been, uh, <laughs> I've been playing all the games since, you know, they first came out, back when I was, like, 16 or so, oh my gosh, 16, 17, Ugh, that was a long time ago, uh, but that blade is still useful today. Uh, you still see it, like, even in Valhalla. It's still useful today. But I remember the days when, and I didn't even know this for a while, that you could just have your two hidden blades and that was your weapon and everyone would circle up around you and you could kind of parry and just stab people and stuff. Uh, I know a lot of people didn't like that combat, but as I like to tell people, I'm like, hey, if I was a guard and we found a master assassin and we were all grouped up around him, I'd be like, yeah, you go first. <laughs> I don't want to fight him. Uh, but, yeah, the hidden blade, so cool, and I like how that's evolved a little bit over time. Uh, you know, it's just it's something that is one of those video game weapons that is a bit more subtle, but will always stick with me. Uh, you know, forgive the pun. Uh, but yeah, the Hidden Blade, for sure. Here's one for uh, my Soulsborne fans out there. Uh, I kind of lumped these two together because they are similar to me, and these are the ones that I use primarily when I play through Bloodborne. And that uh, comes in the forms of the Kirkhammer and Ludwig's Holy Blade. Now, they're both switch weapons. They're all switch weapons in this game, or trick weapons. But these ones kind of were similar to me in that, like, you could have just a, a regular kind of sword if you wanted to, or you could kind of click the sword in, and it was a bigger, stronger thing, like it would be the Kirkhammer, which just crushes people, which felt really good. Because one of my complaints, I think, with some of the Souls games is that, like, I don't always feel that my attacks are hitting besides seeing like the numbers or like the health bars and stuff uh, but with the Kirkhammer you always knew and Ludwig's greatsword kind of it didn't really feel like a sword to me it also felt like a like kind of like a longer sharp hammer <laughs> like, like crush uh, if I remember correctly or kind of do the wide swings with it uh, but those are really fun and they helped me uh, get through that game which I primarily used kind of the the one-handed sword a lot or the single sword and then I would switch in when I actually knew I could do some damage and I'd be like all right here we go pour the damage on then go back to this so yeah love Bloodborne oh, super fun times uh this one I could do a whole show about this and we might I might do it later on down the line uh talking about Devil May Cry weapons because I was thinking about Devil May Cry and there are some really great weapons in there but sometimes I was like oh well do I like you know, Dante's Rebellion because of Rebellion or because of what Dante can add in with his tricks and abilities. But 
the more I thought about it, I, I, you know, Rebellion, I love, um, and we talked about it earlier, kind of with Chaos Eater, just the stinger, you know, driving forward with this long sword and just kind of, and just like using it like a baseball bat. So much fun. But it would have to be the Yamato um, or the Yamato. Uh, I Virgil's sword that can cut through space and time. <laughs> and I love Virgil's ability to teleport. So I was kind of like, oh, does that count? And that's Virgil. But like the sword itself feels really good. And just like the fact that you can like sheath it and then like throw out like a little space time blade vortex at a distance. It's so wonderful. And Final Judgment Cut, uh, I believe is the name or slash. Final Judgment Cut. I think it's Final Judgment Cut. And that's like in uh, Virgil's devil trigger form, but Virgil teleports everywhere, but that's not it. But it's like he does these big slashes everywhere with the, with the Yamato, and it's just like, oh, gosh. It's just it's such a simple weapon. Uh, and I think, man, did we ever make that video? I don't know if I made a top 10 swords video. Maybe we did. Maybe it's somewhere back on the channel. I don't know. I wrote one, um, and the Yamato was on there, because I was like, it's just simple. Simple and clean. No Keyblade on this list. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Keyblade doesn't feel great to me all the time. Certain Oblivion did, kind of. Anyway, neither here nor there. Uh, I also want to shout out to the Plasma Cutter from Dead Space. Your your bread and butter weapon for uh, slicing those Necromorphs, their, their arms and legs off, because you don't want to go for the head in that game. There's also, like, a bigger version of it uh, <laughs> that, like, was a different gun. But I love the idea that the Plasma Cutter was an engineering tool that he just had to use to fight off these crazy aliens. And you like, you want to just pump that up and then you're good to go. But yeah, there's something, it just, it's so hard not to shoot these uh, lumbering creatures in the face, but it was like, nope, got to cut off the arms and legs. And I was like, okay. But yeah, the plasma cutter, it felt, felt really, really good. Last one I want to talk about here today is a, a deep cut, a throwback, uh, something that might be a little bit strange to you or uh, anybody else listening to this. That is, from a game called Super Smash Brothers. Now, a lot of people out there might say, oh yeah, the home run bat. It's a good weapon. How about the hammer? Oh, that's good too, except when the top falls off. Uh, sometimes you get the golden hammer nowadays. But I want to talk about the beam sword. I want to specifically talk about the generation one version of the beam sword. Now, for a lot of people today, the beam sword, if I remember correctly, and this changes over time or variations of the games, but uh, the beam sword would sometimes be a little bit longer if it was a bigger character or shorter if a smaller character. If you charge it up um, with your smash attack, you can kind of get some range with it. Like some pretty good range. In the first game, if I remember correctly, the beam sword had one length, and that was long. <laughs> and this thing hit pretty hard. And this was the I am dealing with somebody off the level weapon. Because if you could knock somebody off the level and they were trying to recover and you threw this thing, it would be like if you took a helicopter blade and threw it kind of slowly in somebody's direction. And if you hit them, which you probably would, it would often, uh, at the cert if they were at a high enough percentage, it would just send them straight down or send them right off the side. Like, it would just deal with them. Like, it would... <laughs> And it was so great because, like, you're Kirby with this gigantic sword. Uh, so, you know, you get the Samus helmet and you get the sword and you're, like, kind of getting close to Darth Vader. It's really fun for me. Uh, but, yeah, that old school beam sword was so good, man. It was just so wonderful and I really liked it. I don't know if anybody here played Super Smash Bros. on the N64, but, man, it was just, it was a killer. It was so good. Uh, 
<laughs> and I just I think of it fondly. Uh, I think back to it fondly. So yeah, those are my weapons. Uh, you know, it's me talking for a while about just all these weapons that mean a lot to me. And again, I really want to hear uh, which weapons are the ones that you're uh, the most you know, fond of, or the ones you want to talk about, or just the ones you're like, man, I really like that. And I'm going to get into a few of them because you guys wrote in, and I really appreciate that. However, I want to take a moment to get into that segment of the show that I like to call, that you like to call, that we all like to call Time Killers. That's right. It's time for Time Killers. Okay. So, what have I been killing time with? Games, movies, TV, all that stuff. Let's see. I am working on finishing up Vinland Saga, uh, which is over on... Amazon Prime. It is a Viking anime, basically. I don't know if maybe I've talked about it before, uh, but yeah, it's actually pretty good. <laughs> I do like it. it. I don't know if it's in the same vein or same group who did Cabinary of the Iron Fortress. It's just another Amazon anime, I believe. Uh, but yeah, it's just always interesting to hear like it's just like oh, it's focusing on Vikings, but they're all speaking Japanese, so <laughs> you know because it was made in in Tokyo or whatnot. And also, the newest season of Seven Deadly Sins came out on Netflix. That show, I have enjoyed, but to be honest with you sometimes, and I like to think I'm paying attention, I don't know what's happening. (laughs) There's so many things happening, so many things are changing, so many uh, truths are being brought to light, and I'm like, what is happening? Uh, But I really like the show, uh, and Escanor, um, for people who don't know, it's a group of these, these knights in this kind of medieval time, but fantasy time. Uh, before the human and non-human worlds were separated. And Escanor of the Seven Deadly Sins is my favorite. There's a bunch of other sins. I like Bond, too, but Escanor is pretty great. He's kind of got this um, holier-than-thou um, Hulk-slash-Banner thing going on. Uh, it's you got to see it. Uh, he's he's wonderful. Like, his best attacks aren't with the weapon that he has. Uh, they're often with, like, his his basic hands. Like, he'll say, it's the Holy Spear of Escanor, and it'll be just his finger. Like, he's just going to stab you with it. <laughs> because his sin that he is kind of um, based around, or the one that he kind of touts, is that of pride. He's the lion's sin. And, man, he's, he's pretty great. Uh, but, yeah, so if you've liked things like um, FMA Brotherhood in the past, I've got a big kind of, like scroll poster here of it uh if you kind of gravitated towards any of those homunculus or homunculi i should say uh you can kind of kind of get a version here in a way sort of kind of it's a little bit different obviously but just kind of based around the sins and then the evil group the ten commandments it gets nuts uh so if anybody out there is watching seven deadly sins please let me know i'd love to know i am still working on valhalla i think (laughs) i think i'm like i don't know like Am I 67 hours in? <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting like, I just need to finish it. Just be like, and it's done. And I continue to play more A Way Out with my buddy, DJ Strom, who it's just been so much fun. I thought that game was just going to be about breaking out of prison. It is so much more. Please, 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 if you get the chance to play this with a friend, do so. It is on Game Pass right now. Uh, apparently it runs like six to seven hours on a, a straightforward campaign. But man, it has been has been so much fun. We've been having a really good time with that. So, yeah, and we've, I'm streaming it. So if you want to check it out, you can uh, maybe when you listen to this, you can go check that out on the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash critical reviews. Uh, that's about everything, I think, for now. Yeah, I think so. Caught up on Loki. I got to catch up more on Loki, but I missed this last episode, but I've caught up for the other stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, Loki, what a, what a show. I won't talk about it right now, but we'll get into it probably later. Anyway. Let's move into my favorite segment of the show, the final segment here today, community feedback and questions. And again, as I always say, thank you guys so much for sending in your questions or your feedback. 
I really appreciate it. If you guys are like, ah, we don't really need this segment at the end, or even time killers, please let me know. I would love to know if people actually like listening to this portion, or if like you kind of like, ah, whatever. You could just do the main thing and be done with it. I just want to make this show fun for you guys, so please let me know. Uh, but these come in via the Discord because I ask people, oh, what's your favorite, you know, video game weapons of all time? This one comes in from Zora Caviar. He says, it's hard to pick a favorite, but Agni and Rudra from Devil May Cry 3 are definitely up there. To me, that boss fight is the, quote, get good or get out, end quote, hurdle of that game, and taking their weapons with you after defeating them feels so good. The perfect reward. They are hands down my favorite devil arms of the entire series and pulling off powerful combos that make them cry out with battle rage before Dante responds, silence, is the most badass thing ever. I, too, love Agni and Rudra. I use them way too much in Devil May Cry 3, but more so in, in the Devil May Cry... Or not Devil May Cry, uh, Marvel vs. Capcom. MVC. Uh, or MVC. Uh, 3. And I just played through... Um, <laughs> I just quickly went through the Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite campaign, just so I could say I did. <laughs> it was... All right. uh, but, yes, Agni and Rudra fantastic picks, man. They're, I wish that they were part of Dante's kit forever. It's just such a fun... Such a fun uh, pair of weapons. If people don't know, Agni and Rudra were uh, kind of two as like fire and wind swords, like um, kind of one hand swords, but they kind of had a bunch of like edges to them, and then your combos could have like fire and wind in them. Really cool stuff. And they're on the hilts, they are little talking heads, and they would talk to you. Uh, and before they're even just the swords, they have like these kind of statues, these headless statues that you have to fight. That's yeah, pretty tough fight. Uh, Missile Mage says, Angelo from Final Fantasy VIII, where else do you get to fire your dog like a cannon? I said, I'm not sure it counts, but you know what? I respect it, Missile Mage. That's a, what a funny, what a funny choice. It is true, because yeah, Angelo, for people who don't know, jumps up onto um, Renoa's wrist kind of rocket thing and she fires him off into a big explosion. It's pretty funny stuff. Uh, this one comes in from Mechareki. He says, mine is definitely the Whirligig Saw from Bloodborne, a club that morphs into a double-bladed buzzsaw of death? Yes, please. And I was asking about this. This is a DLC weapon um, from the old Hunters, because I remember seeing this when I like I summoned in help to fight uh, Rom, the vacuous spider. Is that what his name is? its name whatever uh but i had a guy run in and he had that and i was like what weapon is that and i was like that must be dlc stuff uh so some of my favorite moments in bloodborne were when randos ran in to help me out with stuff and i was like what the heck is that thing uh yeah so i I told him i joked with him and i was like oh i see you want to pay pay for power um and he just said dollar dollar bills y'all well no i'm just kidding you know if you want to get it i never played the old hunters expansion i'm not sure if it's great or not but that weapon definitely seemed cool and weird perfect fit for bloodborne right anyway thank you guys so much for tuning in today if you guys ever have a topic or a question or an idea like this like west did mecha record right there for today's episode all you have to do is let me know uh you can tweet the hashtag critical podcast at me personally i'm at jimmy good 013 or you can just tweet at go critical on twitter if you're all about that also on uh facebook and instagram and tiktok a bunch of place and discord like wherever you want to try to get a hold of me i am available uh so please if you have ideas for the show like this i'm more than happy to do it seriously like if you recommend something at least i know somebody's gonna listen right that's the whole point like it's to entertain you guys uh we have teespring if you want to buy a shirt buy some merchandise support the show uh but the best way you can do it is for those uh who are already doing it and that's just listening right now i appreciate that so dang much and also we have a patreon 
if you want to support us there, you can support for as little as $1 a month, uh, <laughs> which I appreciate that anybody does that. That is incredible to me, and uh, it just it just means a lot, you know. Uh, so thank you guys so much for supporting this channel and me. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. And, you know, if you have uh, the chance to leave a review or comment about this down in the YouTube like that would be so great because I honestly I just want to know if people like the show or how I can make it better and uh yeah I yeah I just I'll just keep saying I appreciate I just appreciate you I appreciate you uh is anybody listening I appreciate you <laughs> uh but thank you so much for hanging out here today uh it's right before the 4th of July so if you're in America uh happy 4th of July I'll probably be a little bit after that but happy belated 4th of July and if you're not in America happy early July uh <laughs> Hopefully it's not too warm where you are, unless you're on the other side of the planet, which it's winter time right now. Man, seasons are weird. Anyway, uh, until next time, just remember, love and hugs, big hugs, and to adapt and overcome. Bye-bye.